way we consume and share news today that's largely rooted in social media outlets, a reason why we decided it's crucial to look at what's being discussed online. From the hottest issues to trends for our daily social media minute, we're joined by Erica. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, how are you doing this fine I'm doing great. Tuesday morning. <laughs> how are you? It's cold. It's not just chilly, it's cold. My hands were cold. My feet were cold. <laughs> As I was walking, uh, yeah. well, a very short walk. Although it was, um, you know, to the building. It was, it was really cold. Winter is here. <laughs> uh, we skipped autumn. Apparently it's going to warm a little bit towards the weekend. And I then, hope so. And then get cold again. It's a big weekend for you. It's a big weekend for me. And uh, <laughs> I'm at the mercy of the weather conditions. Yeah. So I'm hoping for warmer conditions. Yes. All right. Let's just, let's just jump into our first buzzword of the day. Now, what does it take to correct a critical mistake in textbook? It turns out... A very spirited uh, civic group and perhaps uh, a professor and a co-author who is proactive enough to make the changes. Yeah. Harvard says it will rectify multiple distortions of Korean history in its textbook. That's right. Um, A professor of Harvard Business School who co-authored a textbook on Korean politics and history recently said that he plans to make editorial changes to rectify uh, the historical distortions in the book that he wrote. Uh, The multiple distortions were pointed out by the Voluntary Agency Network of Korea, uh, VANC for short, Mm. uh, which is a civic organization that works to promote Korean culture and history online. Mm. Now, the group recently confirmed just over the weekend that uh, Professor Forrest Reinhardt, who is a professor of business administration at Harvard Business School and co-author of the textbook Korea, replied to the organization's multiple requests to modify multiple errors found in the book. Uh, Apparently in the letter, this is what the professor said. Mm-hmm. Quote, I want you to know that we are interested in getting feedback on the cases that we write for our students' use and that we take your views very seriously. Not everyone would be inclined to respond, even with multiple requests. Yes. So I've just got to point that out. But you would think that in this day and age, one of the world's most respected universities mm-hmm. in the world, it's Harvard, after all, yep. at the top of the Ivy mm-hmm. Leagues would use accurate textbooks that contained correct historical information. Now, as concerning as the issue is, at least this is a start. I agree. Uh, Professor Reinhardt has apparently already talked with officials from the Korean Diplomatic Corps about the topics pointed out by the civic organization Mm -hmm. and said he expects editorial changes will be made to Mm -hmm. future versions of the book. I mean, this was quite... It's concerning, isn't it? I mean... This is Harvard. I, I don't They're know. at the top of their game, of their league. Yes. And uh, for them to be teaching students based on, you know, information that is incorrect. And there are multiple inaccurate. errors. Uh, and uh, especially in this day and age when South Korea is getting so much attention for mm-hmm. so many things. It's it's really worrying. I mean, this is a textbook after all. You're yeah. teaching future generations about history. Um, you would expect it to have accurate information. Yeah. So let's take a look at how critical these errors are. What kind of errors are we talking about in this textbook? Uh, these errors might sound familiar to uh. some of our listeners who listen to our show every day because we have talked about them a few times. Uh, the textbook, first of all, is widely used uh, at Harvard Business School. It omits much of the 5,000 years old 
old Korean history by stating that early Korean history emerged from the unification of the Silla Kingdom in the year 668. The Goryeo Kingdom is introduced as a tributary state of China. And the textbook states that Korea had experienced developments during the Japanese colonial rule, which ah. is a, a completely biased view that is widely supported among Japanese right-wing activists. Right. Mm. If they had clarified that it is a biased view widely supported among yes. Japanese right-wing activists, yep. that might just provide a different, entirely different view. But... You know, the thing is, uh, I recently only found out about this reading right. through articles right. that uh, the, the subject, the, the course Korean studies, uh, it really lacks uh, experts. You know, um, Korean studies is treated as kind of a part of the, the wider Asian, Asian history. Studies, Asian history. Right. So we really need more professional, you know, experts, scholars right. in right. this field. And maybe that explains uh, some of these critical errors. Uh, there wasn't enough people yeah. doing the research mm-hmm. and holding each other accountable. Yes. This, isn't that what the thesis and writing textbooks is all about? Exactly. Right? And, and it's, it's also about... Uh, readily available information in English too, mm-hmm. right? I, I think there is a big gap Very in important. how much is available in Korean yep. and in other languages. That's right. So in the past several weeks, uh, Vank has sent multiple emails to mm. authors and publishers of the book, as well as officials at Harvard Business School complaining about these factual errors. Mm. He'd also launched this online petition titled... Is Harvard School of the 21st century equal to the Japanese Imperial University 100 years ago? That got our attention. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it urged the school to use accurate information concerning mm-hmm. Korean history in its classes. Okay, I've got to say, it, it does take a responsive, I, I think, group of educators to respond yep. mm-hmm. to such critical mistakes. And that this might be the right step. Uh, does it end the conversation? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. This can't be the only example of a textbook that has inaccurate information. No. All right, there you have it, mm-hmm. and one point for Vank, honestly. Yeah. All right, let's go on to our second buzzword of the day. Now, I'm not poking fun. That's not the intention no, of no, the no, story no, at all. However, <laughs> because they're sort of deemed the ultimate losers of the KBO season, it's kind of interesting how <laughs> how celebratory and, and how patient these, these Hana Eagles fans are. You know, the, the baseball season <laughs> has come to an end, and so has another remarkable, <laughs> unremarkable, <laughs> uh, run for Hanwha Eagles. They ended at the bottom uh, for the third straight year. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Eagles have actually only won the Korean series once in 1999. Uh, they were established back in 1986. Uh, and uh, they, they, they're they kind of considered as the most mysterious team <laughs> in KBO's, like, what, 40-year yes. history? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, anyways, um, as of 2022, the Eagles have played in the postseason 14 times. And losing is something a team is used to by now and the fans have come to expect as much which is rather sad but uh, the fascinating thing about the Eagles fans is that they seem completely unfazed (laughs) no matter how badly the team performs in fact um, the worse they perform, the more loyal the fans seem to become. You know, I was telling our producer yeah. yesterday that this could be just an entire philosophy <laughs> on how to approach life uh-huh. when life gives you just 
really sour lemons. I don't know. Make it sweet somehow. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like a different level of patience. And the thing with the fans of other teams, you know, if they know their team is going to win, they don't stay until the end of the game. Mm. But the Hanwha Eagles fans do. They sit it out. They sit it out. <laughs> they sit it out. Uh, remember the Mongterigi contest we recently talked about on yeah. the show? Yes. Uh, it's basically a contest where contestants just sit and space out for yeah. a given amount of time. What was it? Like one hour and 30 minutes? Yeah. Something like that? Yes. Uh, the winner of the contest this year happens to be an Eagles fan. Which brings the story back to yeah. life. Yeah, and when asked what was the secret, what the secret was to uh, his superb spacing out skills, mm. they answered, it's because I'm an Eagles fan. I have a strong mentality. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm used to feeling numb. I've had 10 years of experience, you know. I think he said it to, I don't know, I think it was half-jokingly. but Half-jokingly, uh, and a yeah. shout-out to Hana Eagles, and simultaneously saying that it, it, it yeah. taught me something great in life. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, fans, the, 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 the team has many, all yeah. the, from youngsters from elementary schools uh-huh. to like those in their 70s uh-huh. and 80s. The fans say in unison, and although it rarely happens, mm-hmm. winning once in a while brings greater joy than winning all the time. And they will be fans through and through until, well, the very, the end. very end. Yeah, until they see the Hanna yeah. Eagles win. They, say is... they will never change teams. I would love to see that. Now, yeah. <laughs> now, now, I feel like an interesting interview then would not be with the players, but with the fandom. Yeah. It's not just about loyalty at this point, and, fa- and, and the players clearly appreciate <laughs> the love they get from their fans and they feel they say they feel bad yeah but um i mean what can they do except i don't know do better do better I, but if it was only that simple right i mean yeah. we're talking about the highest level of baseball in the yeah. entirety of south korea so you know that they're trying mm-hmm. I, I don't know it, it's it's like bittersweet yeah. but there's something deep in there i saw an article this morning i didn't really get into it but uh, they're letting a lot of players go so we'll have to see how it turns out for the okay. for the team in the future is it for the better or for yeah. worse we'll have to wait until next season of KBO. This yeah. season is coming to an end. But go fans. Go fans. <laughs> uh, really, you rival the army. Yeah. I said it. Moving on. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> now, on to our final story of the day. William Shatner, the Star Trek famous actor, mm-hmm. says a space trip filled him not necessarily with the excitement and enthusiasm that he actually was expecting, yeah. but rather with sadness about, and well, climate anxiety. And uh, this was really unexpected for right. me coming across this article. You know, astronauts have for decades described their trips to space as breathtaking and uh, humbling experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, actor William Shatner, who joined a suborbital space tourism flight, was it last year? Yes. Experienced the same phenomenon, but he had a very distinct observation when he turned his gaze from the Earth to the black expanse of space uh, that he saw right in front of him. And he wrote in his new book, which detailed his experience in space, quote, all I saw was death. I mean, that's not what you expect. No, it was not. So um, his biography called Boldly Go, which he co-wrote with TV and film mm-hmm. writer uh, Joshua Brandon, is filled with, uh, you know, similarly rather grim mm-hmm. anecdotes about his experience above the Earth's atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to quote what he said, basically, because it really hit me. And it, I think I kind of understand what he was feeling mm-hmm. in that moment. Quote, I saw a cold, dark, black 
emptiness. It was unlike any blackness you can see or feel on Earth. It was deep, enveloping, all-encompassing. I turned back toward the light of home. I could see the curvature of Earth... Dot, dot, dot. And uh, he said everything he had thought was wrong. Everything he had expected yeah. to see was wrong. And um, the moment he landed back on Earth, he said he was crying and he did not expect that at all. And he was grieving for Earth, he said. He came to this realization that humans are basically destroying this beautiful thing oh, they call it, home. And it was a galactical perspective yes. on that. Um, it's not what you expect because before he went on this Blue Origin trip, yeah. I mean, it, it was a Star Trek actor on a Blue Origin yeah. flight. Um, there's so much star power mm-hmm. there. And I'm sure excitement about the future of space tourism. And I'm he's, sure he was excited too. Right. He's in his 90s. Yep. And, and this means it made him, I believe, the oldest man to fly out mm-hmm. of planet Earth. And, and so what we're expecting was just him skipping for joy yep. and saying perhaps it was humbling and breathtaking yes. and this is kind of a stark contrast to our expectations yeah um, I don't know uh, I, we talk about uh, you know climate change all the time these days the climate crisis this this uh, semester at school the main theme of all the subjects was uh, should we save water <sighs> and it always goes back to climate change and uh, you know I really try to open the students eyes on mm-hmm. you know what this is all about and mm-hmm. what kind of repercussions it could have for our daily lives and uh, it, it really makes me worried a lot. But the next generation is more responsive to yeah. it, aren't they? Because it is about the preservation mm-hmm. of planet Earth and our survival, is it not? Um, this is such a deep, dark topic that we could go on for hours. But just a food for thought. It changes your perspective when someone like William Shatner says, it was not what I was expecting. No, I was, and he was so glad to return home, I suppose. Yeah, I think say. so. I think he, it, it's a direct contrast. Mm. He saw the earth, it, which he compared to light, mm. and the rest as death and darkness. So we oh. should really be grateful. <laughs> For what we have, I know that sounds so cliche, but... No, I I don't think it's cliche at all. And cliches hold a a great deal of Mm -hmm. truth. So I'm going to accept that. We have an environmental segment. How appropriate is that coming up in our second hour? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Erica. I'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.